My sister and I recently got into an argument over the phone. We had disagreed over what kind of car we had in the mid-50s. A black Plymouth, a green Chevrolet, a two-door Ford. Something so trivial had upset us beyond reason. And after we got off the phone, I called a friend to tell her how ridiculous the entire argument was because, well, you know, I'm the oldest and naturally the one who is right. <laughs> but slap dab in the middle of me telling my friend about that argument with my sister, I recalled a summer day when we were little girls riding in the back seat of a car that was anything but a Ford. <coughs> An Alabama two-lane country road, summer. I'm barely five and my sister is two and a half years behind me. She is cuddled with her doll in unbreakable sleep. The car still has its new smell. Mama is up front, her hair pulled back and a lilac scarf sprinkled with English daisies. I can't remember the color of my dress and don't know why I wanted to wear one that day. I didn't like dresses much and preferred my dungarees, but something was in the air. Not something like a birthday or a picnic, it was that feeling you get when you go to a house you've never been to before, meeting people you've never laid eyes on. The open door of possibilities, of seeing how other people lived, what they liked, and I was getting to do just that. Meet these new people who lived on the outskirts, not too deep in the woods, but deep enough to hold horses and pasture cows. Daddy seemed relaxed. The word might be sated or maybe content. The night before, he'd let me watch him sort his tackle box. There were feathery lures, three-in-one oil, sinkers, poppers, rolls of lime, a pocket knife, and a buoy hunting knife freshly sharpened for slicing off a fish head or maybe scraping scales. He'd wedged the metal box into the trunk of the car so it wouldn't slide around. <coughs> was it a Plymouth? A Dodge? Daddy had said the new people I was going to meet had a pond and there would be fishing. But still, I wore a dress. Mama kept saying how beautiful the countryside was, rolling green farmland, some fence, some not, some scattered with cattle. Everything was alive. Trees, so many trees, oaks, pecans, dogwoods, and the kind good for climbing that I don't know the name of. Everything alive and listening. That curvy road, those trees, sunshine on the fields, palest pink buttercups clustered around fence posts, shade under trees, under trees, under a lone tree on the edge of some farmer's pasture, that body swaying there from a sturdy limb, a rope, a noose around a neck, that body swaying back and forth under the shade of that tree on that day. My mother screaming, oh God, oh God. The car skidding to a halt. Me jolting forward, 
gravel spewing, Daddy jumping out of the car so quick, the trunk flying open, the tackle box spilling, Mama shouting, don't look. My father shimmying up the tree, cutting the noose with his buoy knife from the tackle box, a man falling to earth, and my father leaning him against that nameless tree. I looked, I looked, and only yesterday I remembered that I'd looked, and I remembered I saw, and I remembered that Daddy said, make room, this gentleman needs to get home. The man did not move his lips, his arm shone black, his face alive and listening like the trees. He smelled like the boy down the street did when we played too hard in the hot sun. Daddy focused, drove hard. Mama looked out the back window in her side view mirror, out the back window again, then again and again. Then the words from the man's mouth cut the air. Take that road there. You can let me out there. I know where to go. Daddy eased over to the side of the road, stepped out of the car, unfolded his brown leather wallet and handed the gentleman a $20 bill. This should get you where you need to go, Daddy said. You say you know where to go. Yes, sir. Then get on as fast as you can. I will do that, sir. They looked at each other, talking without any words. We watched the man disappear off that dirt road and vanish into the woods. Daddy slid behind the wheel, swiveled around straight at me and said, and I remember it well as if I had heard him say it this, this morning. Daddy said, you know, you can't ever say anything about what you saw here today. Do you understand? I nodded, smoothed the hem of my dress, and tucked my hand into its secret pocket. I have forever held an inexplicable reverence for my father and buried this sacred secret for a very long time. Because if the wrong people, who were everywhere, next door, in the pulpit, family reunions, libraries, grocery stores, schools, clinics, if those wrong people ever found out what my daddy had done, he would have ended up with a noose around his neck too, and maybe no one would pass by in time to cut him down. And that's a secret worth tucking down into the deep, dark silence. Not necessarily a lie, but necessary. Many say I was protecting my father. Maybe, maybe not. I think he was protecting me.